0: ...of our Vineyard Values series here at the Vineyard. We are, we are re-walking through, I guess you could say. We are rediscovering our values here at the Vineyard. Uh, reason being is, in the last couple years, uh, a lot of things have changed at the Vineyard. Uh, we are a transitional church, uh, transient church. Uh, people come to the Vineyard for a while, and then their, their jobs move them on, or they come to us from the university. We always have a lot of university kids... We'll have them for three or four years and then they're gone. And so over the last couple of years, there's been sort of a a big sea change here at the vineyard in terms of who's here. Uh, The core in terms of the people haven't changed. Our values haven't changed. But there's this big group of people around the outside that have changed. And so we want to reinvestigate our values because we want to get to know you. But at the same time, we want you to get to know us, who we really are. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about our value of worship. Uh, and the title of this message is, is this, it's uh, The Melody and the Harmony. So I want to talk to you about the melody and the harmony of worship this morning. And um, even if this is the very first time that you're here, you've probably picked up uh, already that here at the Vineyard, we really love worship. Um, we, love, we love worship here at the Vineyard. We love loud guitars. And if it were up to me, they'd be louder. Uh, at the Vineyard, we don't want to hear the drums, we want to feel the drums. Uh, If it were up to me, we would feel them more. Uh, Sometimes people come to me and they complain. They say, it's too loud at the vineyard. And I tell them, you know what? It's loud at the vineyard because we like it loud. And because there's 120 other churches in town that are really quiet. And if you want a quiet church, you're welcome to go there. Uh, And that's nothing against you or those other churches. It's just that we're the loud church. And we're the loud church because we like being loud. And because we found that there's a part of God's heart that is opened up when the people of God express it with some volume. We love worship. If it could be louder, we would do it that way. We want we believe that worship should encompass all of the emotions of the human heart. All not just we want we want worship to be infused with joy, but we also believe that worship should be reflective of every single emotion that's carried in the human heart. If you read the book of Psalms, it is uncensored. There's anger in Psalms. There's sadness, there's despair, there's joy. We believe that worship should encompass all of that. And here at the Vineyard, we want to embrace every single emotion, but be leaning toward joy, if that makes sense. We want it all. We want it all. There's a place to cry here at the Vineyard. We want um, like There are moments in worship where the, the only appropriate response is to bawl your eyes out. There are moments when the only appropriate response is to shout your brains out. And it all fits in there. So we, we, we want that. We also believe here at the Vineyard that worship should be expressive and vocal. I personally believe that it's good for the people of God to come and shout. I also believe that it's good when a thankful heart moves away from quiet reflection and, and moves actually through your body and your entire body begins to resonate with the thankfulness that's in your heart. There's something powerful when your body begins to agree with what's really, really on the inside. And because of that, worship is one of the most unifying experiences that a person can can can, can encounter in God. Um, what I mean by that is this, is you are body, soul, and spirit. Life has a way of dividing you, and you are never more unified than when you are focused on the truest thing in the universe, that being God. And body, soul, and spirit, when you are singing, when you are literally vibrating when your when your lungs and your ribs vibrate with the praise of god there's something about it that centers and it unifies and it actually heals there's a kind of healing that you will never get apart from vocally letting the internal quiet thankfulness of your heart come out with some volume and so it's good for our bodies to resonate with praise and thanksgiving so we love that stuff here at the vineyard but I also want you guys to know that we also recognize that worship is more than a song. It's more than a thirty or forty five minute set here on Sunday morning. Worship is a whole life. Worship is your waking and your sleeping. Worship is your laughing and you're crying. Worship is your working and your resting. Worship is your living and your dying. That was almost a poem. It's pretty incredible. Um but it's your whole life and it's all of it before God. What worship really is, it's the yielding of one's life without limits or reservations to God. That's what worship is. It's to say, God, you can have my entire life. I hold nothing back from you. I'll hide nothing from you. I give it all to you. So the worshiper isn't necessarily one who can sing great. The worshiper is the one who can let thankfulness do its deep work so that everything is illuminated by the presence and goodness of God. But what does it mean to be a worshiper? It means to let everything be illuminated by the presence and the goodness of God. You realize most believers I'm not even talking about unbelievers, most believers don't have an adequate experience with the presence of God. They understand that God is a concept. They understand things about God here, but it never touches them here. And when we're talking about the presence of God here at the vineyard, we're really talking about the awareness that God is near. What is worship? It's it's becoming aware that God is near you and he's always near you. He's never not near you. Even when you're sinning, even when it's the worst sin possible, he's right next to you. He never, ever leaves you ever. Ever. And not only that, but he's good. It's not just that God is near us, but it's the illumination that God is near and that He's good and that He's been kind to me and that not every single thing I have in my life is because I was good and smart and big and strong and out-strategized everyone else. In fact, what I have is a reflection of God's nearness and His goodness to me. That's what it means to be a worshiper. It means to wake up to, it wasn't all me, but it was God being kind. And so in that way, the worshiper is the one whose heart has become aware of the kindness of God. And so everything I do, everything I say, every task, every relationship, every victory, every defeat, every trial, every trouble can be offered to God. And and this is an idea that is essential to a kingdom understanding of worship. And it's captured and it's distilled for us in one of the passages we're going to read this morning. Colossians 3.17 What is worship? This is what worship is. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whole life. Whole life. See, it's important to notice right here that it's possible to live this sort of life of worship in every kind of context. Like a worship life and a worship lifestyle can be lived in any sort of context. You can be a banker and and be a, a great worshipper. You can be a mechanic and be a great worshipper. You can be a teacher. You can be you can be a congressman and live a life of worship. You can you can you can be a stay-at-home mom, you can train animals. You can you can assemble parts for some sort of a assembly line job. You can work in a factory. You can work It doesn't matter where you're at. It's possible to engage in life and engage with God in such a way that it becomes worship to Him. And not only that, this is really also important to notice. I want you to to pick this up. In the kingdom of heaven, God is less concerned with your occupation and He's more concerned with your heart. Everybody says, oh yeah, right, amen brother. But nobody hardly believes that. And the reason I know they don't believe that is because people come into my office and tell me all the time. See, in the kingdom of heaven, there's a holistic approach to life and it's holistic in the sense that it that God's kingdom and its interactions with your life can't be contained or compartmentalized. It has a way of spilling over into every other area, touching things and affecting them. There are no divisions. There is no such thing as the spiritual life and the non-spiritual life. There's no such thing as the spiritual life and the non-spiritual life. You can be a scientist and, and be just as spiritual as any pastor. In fact, you are just as spiritual. If you're a biologist and you give your entire life to discovering what's going on in the cell and what's happening in the mitochondria, if you get a breakthrough, if you study, if you work, and you you make a discovery there, it is worship, it is spiritual, it belongs to God. He receives it just like the pastor who studies the Bible. There's there's nothing off limits. And so one of the things that we see about the worship life is it's about living fully human. It's about living fully engaged with our families. It's about living fully engaged with our jobs. It's about living fully engaged in our communities. It's not living some some sort of like pseudo super spiritual life where I do super spiritual things sometimes and then other times I do unsuper spiritual things and then I'm wrecked because I feel divided. Garbage. That's garbage, absolute garbage. The reason I, I get so passionate about this one particular point is because every single year I have college kids who graduate and they come in to talk to me. And after we chat for a while, one of the things we find out is that the only reason they got a Christian ministries degree is because they did it out of guilt, thinking that the only way they could really love God was if they get a pastor degree when they, what they really wanted to do was be a writer. As if writing is unspiritual and pastoring people is spiritual garbage. Absolute garbage. And so what is the worship life? It's, it's the life that realizes that God is near. He's incredibly kind to me. Do whatever you want. It's for you, Jesus. I'm going to study my brains out for you. I'm going to work and I'm going to sweat. And it's going to be you every time a drop of sweat falls off my forehead. It's for you and he'll receive it as such. Now the truth is, this morning, I've sort of begun at the end, or to put it more precisely, I've started with the harmony when I should have begun with the melody. That's what this message is about this morning. This message is about the harmony and the melody, and I've got a little video clip I want to show you guys that sort of makes the point. That's it. Perfect. Brilliant. So do you want to give a spin? Yes. Okay, <clears throat> two, three, four. that scene you know why that scene is so beautiful because it's perfect harmony with perfect melody i've watched that movie several times it's one of my favorite movies it's a a movie called once i highly recommend it um has the f word in it a lot so if you're offended don't watch it but it's amazing and this this scene is so beautiful because it's perfect harmony with perfect melody And what I want to suggest to you this morning is this, that Colossians 3.17 is your life and it's my life as perfect harmony. That's perfect harmony right there. To do whatever you do, whether in word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. But I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but no one sings harmony solo. You, you can't sing harmony without hearing the melody. And so what I want to tar, start talking about right now is I want to talk about hearing the melody so that you can live your life as perfect harmony. And so, staying in the same chapter, we're going to read a few verses. Verse 12 through 17. Perfect melody leading to perfect harmony. Here we go. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. See, in order for us to live our lives as perfect harmony, the first thing that everyone has to do is you have to hear the melody. And before we talk about hearing the melody, the first thing I need you to realize is this, is that the world is full of melody. There's all kinds of melodies in the world. And if you end up listening to the wrong one, you'll end up singing a disastrous song. There's only one true melody in the whole world. And it's being sung by God the Father right now. He's singing it over all kinds of people everywhere. And the melody of the Lord is verse 12. Can we put that back up, please? This is the melody of all melodies. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. The melody of all melodies is that we are God's chosen people, that we are holy and that we're dearly loved. And I want you to notice that the melody begins with God and He alone carries the tune. And that tune is a song of love toward us. And the really, really sad thing is, especially in the church, is that the church is filled with people who have read the lyrics but never heard the tune. And so they've never encountered the proper context for the Word and the affection of God. It's like reading a love note but never meeting the person it's like giving a Skype kiss but never touching the actual lips and so there are three things here for us that we need to hear And we need to experience in order to be able to live our lives as perfect harmony. And the first thing you need to hear is this. You need to hear that you're chosen. God is singing this over all kinds of people everywhere. In fact, he's singing it over everyone. You're chosen. You're absolutely chosen. And when God chooses people, he chooses them in weakness. So God chooses you in your weakness. He chooses you in your brokenness. He chooses you in your jacked-upness. He chooses you in all of your shortcomings, all of your shame, all of your ridiculousness, all of your bitterness, all of your anxieties, all of your stuff, all of the things that drive your neighbors crazy. Every time you've screwed it up, all the ways you can't balance your checkbook, all of the ways that nothing ever quite works out right. God sees you and is unoffended by any of it and He chooses you. I know you guys have heard another gospel. It's a false gospel. It's a false gospel. God looks at you. He sees you just the way you are and He begins to sing a song over you and it is, I choose you. That is is the gospel. There is no other gospel. I don't care what you're into. God is not afraid or offended by anyone's stuff Ever, ever, ever. He just, he sees it, takes it all in. He's unafraid of it, unaffected by it. And he still chooses you. It says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says, He is patient, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What's that about? He chooses you. He's chosen everyone. And there's some th- theology out there that says he's only chosen a few people. It's called the elect. Hogwash. He's chosen everyone everyone. Not everyone will choose him. He's chosen everyone. Furthermore, God sent Jesus out of heaven into, into the earth, living a body. And when Jesus showed up on the planet, it's God's letter to the earth forever and ever. And always I choose you. It's a song that's been sung since the dawn of time and has increased in volume for 2000 years. There is one song. If you don't hear it You'll screw your life up. You'll never, ever, ever harmonize. It will be dissonance your entire life until you hear I've been chosen by God, and not here either. I'm talking right here until you until you hear the Father sing his one and only verse over you, and he has a verse for every single person. You're chosen, even though you're weak, even though you're rebellious. You're chosen. Even though you smoked weed, you're chosen. Jesus just he just comes through the cloud. He's like <laughs> Jesus is not offended by marijuana. He just he just comes through. It's like, "Well, I'll just I think you should probably take your water bong off the floor. Somebody's going to trip off of that." <laughs> the second thing you need to hear is this. You're holy. You're holy. Some of you are thinking, no, wait a minute. I'm a miserable sinner. Which is it? Yes. (laughs) But mostly you're holy. Um, By the way, it's not that you will one day be holy either. It's that you're holy right now. It's a mystery. I want to read this. It's also in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 3. It's a total mystery. Chapter 3, verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. How is it that you're holy? You died, and your life is hidden with Him. And I've heard great theologians talk about Colossians 3, chapter 3, and the longer they talk about it, the less sense that any of it makes. Why? Because it's a mystery. I don't get it. But somehow, faith causes you to be hidden in God. And when you're hidden in God, you're like Him. You're like... And by the way, it's not legal. One of the great travesties of of preaching in the last 300 years is that it's reduced salvation and the gospel down to a legal standing. Hogwash! It's relational. The gospel is more like marriage than it is like court. If you take it to court, you disaster it's it's more like marriage you get hidden in god you get you get related to him you get his dna suddenly his blood starts running through your veins you're a different person and by the way just because it doesn't feel like it's true doesn't mean it isn't true either it's like this it's like it's like the clock is 11:59, and that's a day and then at 1201 how many of you realize it's another day And you can't go back, but it's just as dark at 1201 as it was 1159. But the calendar changed, you're holy completely holy. And when God says you're holy, it may not look like it. It might be pitch black. It may be the middle of the night. It may have looked like just like it was two minutes before but the calendar's changed. You can't go back to yesterday. You're holy. It's not something that's going to happen. It is something that is happening. The dawn is going to come up. The sun is going to rise on your life. You're going to be completely different. Already. It is. Bam. Tweet that. You see, darkness is becoming increasingly obsolete. You know why? Because you're holy. God has shared his life with you. He's so generous. This is the melody of the Lord. And then finally, it's the song of all songs. It's that you're dearly loved. Can we put that back up there? I just want you to see it. You're holy and you're dearly loved. This is the melody of the Lord. It's the melody of all melodies. It's the love of God. And the love of God is so different. The love of God looks like this. The love of God is that everyone in the world was his enemy and he came and he laid his life down on the cross. That's the love of God. It's that God shows up and he doesn't punish people. That's the gospel. The gospel is that people don't get what they deserved. And human history is full over and over. We could read one book after another. Human history is full of of moments where people punish other people and give them what they deserved. And God shows up and He is so gracious and He is so kind and He is so loving. He shows up and He gives people what they do not deserve. And in fact, He takes everything on Himself. Everything that you've ever done. Everything that I've ever done. He takes them on Himself and He says, You're mine and I love you. And not only that, but one of the greatest gifts in all of life is that you were born. Just to be born is an enormous gift from God, and it's an enormous demonstration of love. Why? Think about this. Because before you were born, God knew that you were going to be a train wreck. He knew that you were going to be a train wreck. He knew that you were going to hurt other people. He knew that you were going to be hurt. And He knew that you were going to live your life running away from Him and doing everything you could to get away from Him and to and to live a life that's utterly separated from Heaven. He knew that you were going to be like that. And for the chance to know you and love you, He allowed you to be born. It's phenomenal. The love of God. He, he is singing a melody over people right now and it is the, it is the melody of the Father. One of my favorite verses, I, I used to hate this verse, um, is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. It says, He takes great delight in you, and He rejoices over you with singing. See, I used to hate that verse because I didn't want God rejoicing over me or singing over me. It seemed a little icky. But one of the things I've come to realize is is that it's amazing. And one of the things that you need in all your life is you need to encounter the God who sings over you. And right now he's singing over people and he's singing his great love. He knows you're broken. He knows you're weak. He knows some of y'all are smoking weed and he's coming right through the house and he's coming in. He's blowing blowing the smoke out of the way and he's singing a song of love over you. He's not punishing you. He's not giving you what you deserve. He's giving you himself. He's giving you his life he calls you holy he says you're chosen and he shows up and he comes to nicole's house and he just says nicole i love you and by the way when the scripture says that he rejoices over you with singing how many of you know that he were to sing the, the reason people sing is because words wouldn't cut it anymore like you sing when your passions are so great that words spoken or written down won't cut it anymore and so he shows up and he just says nicole i love you so much I'm crazy about you. I'm I'm just crazy about you. And then he breaks into song over your life and he just can't even help it. And he sings over you and he's been singing over you since before you were born. And he's singing over you now and he'll sing over you forever. And he just sings over people and he finds people who are completely wrecked and he sings over them. And the key to life is to wake up just enough that you can hear the Father's voice not speaking, but singing Because there's delight in singing. He's singing over people. The person that you can't stand, he sings over them. He takes great delight in them. The person that you wish would die and go to hell, he's like, I love that guy. I totally love that guy. And he's singing over him right now. The guy who's the most jacked up, whoever the most jacked up guy in Campbellsville is right now, the Lord Jesus has chosen that guy. Whoever that guy is, wherever he's at, he might be here. It's quite possible here at the Vineyard we have rogues. <clears throat> just hang out. But wherever that person is, the Lord is singing over them. It, he's not just saying "I love you." He's singing it. It's it's I, it's I, it's it is it is gospel. It's the singing God because His passions are so great. Words wouldn't do anymore. Broke my pen. And that's the melody. That's the melody. You're chosen, you're holy, and you're loved. And it's the melody that provides the context for the harmony. And what's the harmony? Harmony is verse 12. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, humility, Gentleness and patience, bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That's the harmony. You see, the melody of God provides the context for the harmony. And I want you to notice something in verse 12. When Paul says, Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The picture here is that... Because of the melody of God that's gone out into the world, because of the song of the Lord that He sings over every person and because of the verse, He has a unique verse for every person in the room. Because of because of this song and because of the melody, the picture here is that God has provided for every single person on the planet a new closet. And so the picture is is that in the morning when you go on and you and you pick out your clothes, you're like you pick out your best pants and you pick out your favorite shirt and you pick out your cool boots and you put them on in the morning. The picture here is that God has provided a way for you to put on some other things. Things like kindness and compassion, humility, gentleness and patience and and forgiveness. And one of the things that this tells me is that it's actually possible to sing the harmony. Some people are like, you know what? God's melody is beautiful and I receive it, but it's not possible for me to sing the harmony. Hogwash. He's provided a closet for you. It's filled. You can go in and get it. It's there already. And by the way, it says, clothe yourselves the implication is that Jesus will not clothe you. Clothe yourself. Go in and pull out some go out and pull out some some shirts of compassion. Put on your kindness boots rather than your I was going to say something else, but you guys have already figured it out. Put on some humility. Glenn has a song. Put on humility like an overcoat. Gentleness and patience, it's actually possible to live in this. It's actually possible to sing harmony with the Lord. So the first part is you have, to, you have to hear the melody and the second part is you have to be willing to sing the harmony. Part of being willing to sing the harmony is giving up the right to sing the melody. There's only one person in the universe who gets to sing melody and it's God. Everyone else sings harmony. Everyone else sings harmony. You wouldn't even have a love song to sing if you hadn't heard it from Him first. You wouldn't, even have, you wouldn't even have a harmonizing note of forgiveness to sing if you hadn't been forgiven first. And so, living a life of worship, living a life of perfect harmony with the Lord means hearing Him sing over you, but it also means giving up the right to be number one. Giving up the right to be the lead. Giving up the right to sing melody and taking on the place in the choir and singing harmony with him. And how do we sing harmony? We sing harmony by bearing with each other. We sing harmony by forgiving. It's interesting to me that the harmony of true worship is communal in nature and it has to do with brothers and not God. Like we love worship here at the vineyard. We love it. Like we want to go for it more. And we love coming in and we love singing to God. But one of the most fundamental pictures of worship we have in the New Testament shows us that what we need to hear is the melody of God over our life. And before we begin to respond to singing to Him, we have a responsibility and we have an ability, a divine enablement to begin to sing the harmony over brothers. It's strange. How is it that that you... How is it that you bearing with a weaker brother? How is it that you, forgiving someone who's been a jerk, how is it that you, living in humility and gentleness and patience, can be worship? I don't know, but God receives it that way. Forgive whatever grievances. That's what it says in my translation. It says, forgive whatever grievances. It means anything and everything. Nothing is too traumatic for forgiveness. Not only that, but... What's been done to you, it pales in comparison to what you have done to God. And He gladly forgives you. So it's possible there's forgiveness garments in your closet, even right now. So being a worshiper means hearing the melody, and it means being willing to sing the harmony. It means loving others the way that we've been loved. And that's the harmony of all worship. See, church, there's only one thing I really want to get to this morning. It's this. It's that there isn't a song in the universe as beautiful as forgiveness. This band will never write and will never never play. And this church will never sing a song as beautiful as one of you guys forgiving someone else who's been really bad to you. God receives that as the most beautiful worship. And one of the things I'm convinced of here at the vineyard, for as much as we love worship and for as much as we love loudness and for as as much as we're going to sow into it even more, for as much as we're going to do that even more, the thing I'm convinced of is this, that the word of the Lord to us here at this church is to the degree that we will lean into singing the quieter melodies of forgiveness, the more that we will lean into singing the subtle melodies Harmonies of gentleness. The more that we'll lean into singing, the subtle and the quiet harmonies of humility and patience, the truer that our worship here together on Sunday morning will be. It will it will ring truer. There'll, there'll be something in it. There'll be a there'll be a tone, there'll be a quality, there'll be an atmosphere of the spirit, there'll be there'll be there'll be an there'll be something so right that it pierces hearts. Does that make sense? We love worship here at the vineyard. So what is, it? what is a life of worship? A life of worship is very simple. It's to hear the Father singing over you. And it's to sing harmony, which is to extend what the Father has given you to your brothers who don't deserve it. That's what worship is. That's where our value is. Amen? Amen. Hey, if you're on the ministry team this morning, we want you to come on up. And uh, the rest of you can stand up. I want to pray for you. I feel like the Lord wants to do a couple things here before we leave. A couple things I feel like from the Lord. Number one, I feel like that while I was speaking this morning, even even right now, when I'm talking about hearing the melody Love the Father sung over you, that you're chosen, that you're holy, and that you're dearly loved. I feel like there's a lot of people in the room who have never heard that melody. That the love of God is simply, it's a math problem. It's academic. It's academic knowledge. It's, it's an intellectual understanding. It's stuck in the brain, never touched the heart. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come up and to receive prayer. These are people who have been trained to, to just pray with you, not at you. And um, the God want, and God wants to convince you beyond your intellect that He loves you, and He wants you to feel it in the heart. By the way, an intellectual gospel is of zero value. An intellectual gospel is of zero value because it favors the smart. And God is more generous than that. And then number two, um, God wants to encourage us to sing harmony which has to do with burying each other and forgiving one another. And I'm positive that in the room this morning that every one of us has been hurt, probably been hurt in the last week, but some of you are carrying major, major wounds. And your worship to God is being being muffled. Uh, There's not a clear tone. And the reason there's not a clear tone is because there's never been forgiveness. You've never sung the forgiveness note. Until you sing the forgiveness note, every other note you sing will be muffled. And so God wants to encourage you. Uh, and the good news this morning is that there's actually grace to do it. Your closet is full of forgiveness. You can put it on anytime you want. So I want to pray for you. And when I'm finished praying, if you need ministry, you need to come up. Why don't we do this? Put your hands out in front of you. This is Total Vineyard. We're going old school here. John Wimber, stop.